Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sana Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. What's up? This is your favorite side nigga and your favorite stand-up comedian. This is Basil, and I'm here with the lovely, beautiful Ina Esco at the Verbally Effective Podcast. Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Howard Q hanging out with Double E Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Player? Mike Ware Jr. was born and raised in Whitehaven, Tennessee. He is a graduate of the class of 98 from Overton High School and also a graduate of the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, 2003. He started selling radio ads at WRBO and stayed in radio years while promoting and doing special events. In 2014, he started Chuckles Comedy House with his father, Mike Ware Sr. and Prescott Gilliam. Verbally Effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Now, you guys know we have had so many guests on the pod, but today we have one of the hottest entrepreneurs in the city of Memphis. I'm sure you've heard his name before, and if you haven't, he's more so one of the behind-the-scenes kind of, you know, entrepreneurs that be making that cheese on. So I am talking about entrepreneur of Chuckles Comedy Club, Mike Ware Jr. What's up, Mike? How you doing this morning? How you doing this morning? (laughs) I am lovely. How's it going? You looking good good. in this pandemic? I'm with the grace of God. I appreciate (laughs) you having me on your show, though, man, on your podcast, man. It's great, man. Yes. Thank you. You know what? I've been following you for a while. You know, we both have uh, that radio background, mm-hmm. you in sales, yeah. me on air, which kind of work both hand in hand together. Yeah. So um, you guys really are the heart and soul of, you know, making radio happen, in my opinion. So uh, we're going to get started at the beginning, Mike. Mm-hmm. What part of Memphis are you from? Uh, well, I was born and raised in the Whitehaven area. You know, everybody now calls it Black Haven. Uh, right. I went to, what's crazy though, because I went to elementary like in Magnolia and Castaia area. Really? Uh, I, yeah, I was six years old there. Okay. My grandma stayed over there. So you know how, you know how Black families were. You know, a lot of them are strong rooted in like the South Memphis area. So Definitely. definitely. Yeah, so I went to Magnolia for the whole six years. I went out to, um, they bust us all from South Memphis to Colonial. 
Okay. And I went to Colonia and graduated from Overton in uh, 1998. <laughs> 98. Okay, that that's a year after me. I'm 97. Don't play. Ooh, hey, I we know. do my age, though. Some know. people graduated in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. You hear me? <laughs> now, let's back up to Overton High School. What was Mike Ware Jr. involved in at Overton? What were you oh, in man, there? hold on. Uh, <laughs> I, I played sports, but I ain't gonna lie, like, I was in the choir and I played basketball. In the choir? Yeah. I never would have thought you said that. <laughs> okay, so you can sing. A little bit. A little bit. What are we now? I'm a choir member. I'm a good choir, choral singer. <laughs> and I, I, I ain't Luther. I'm not no, Luther. but look, was you going to the competitions, getting the the prizes and stuff in the choir? I know how I they got, work. I think I got. I think I got a couple of, a couple of, you know, a couple of competitions I did pretty good. Okay, Overton High School, and then what did you do after Overton High School? I went to University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Wow, what made you decide on University of Arkansas Pine Bluff? I was looking into uh, historical black schools, um, and both of my parents graduated from UAPB. There you go. So okay. I was about to go to Mississippi Valley, and I went down there to UAPB, got a choir scholarship. Okay, you was real with the choir. <laughs> they gave me that money. I said, hey, hey. Okay. Wow. Yeah. How was your experience there? Man, I tell anybody, if you, if you are in graduating from high school and you're not an avidly high GPA and you know, you, you know, I understand if you want to go to a big school like that, but it's nothing like the black college experience, man. You know Definitely. what I'm saying? I, and I, you know, it's nothing like it. I go wow. back to homecoming every time I get a chance, the networking with the people, it's nothing like a black college experience. And it's just, you know, that's just how I feel. That's true because I am a Lamorne on College alumni, oh, yeah. so you know I'm all for the HBCUs. Wow. Okay, so University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. What was your major? Did you what did you what were you majoring in over there? Um, you know, it take a while to find your major when you just down there partying. So <laughs> I found my major my second year. I did mass communication. Okay. And um, what made me do that? Like I said, I was trying to pick a um major. And uh, my father, he was doing radio sales. And he was like, Mike, what you doing? I was like, I don't know what I'm going to major in. And he showed me some of them commission checks mm -hmm. that he was getting. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, OK, this is what I'm doing. Then. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do this. So I started just focusing on radio and uh, radio advertising and marketing and promoting. Like, I even had like my own little radio show down in UAPB. I, I ran a radio station down in UAPB. Really? What was your radio name? Memphis Mike. Memphis Mike. Okay. <laughs> I know they were tuning in. Yeah, I had a little following. <laughs> okay, so it seems like that's where it all started uh, and how we got to where we are today. So after you graduated from UAPB, what happened, Mike? I came home and I hit the ground running. Uh, started working at uh, WRBO. So okay. class 103, I was doing radio sales. How was that? It was fun. It was fun. Um, it taught me how to actually like get out and like hustle and get it for yourself because when you're doing radio sales, it's commission-based. So if you don't hustle, you're not eating at all, period. Like, period. Yeah. So it, just, it And it also gave me more confidence to just 
talk and walk in and talk to strangers. So I enjoyed it. I met a lot of new people. A lot of people that I network now, I met just through radio advertising. So uh, that's a part of my life. I'm I'm happy I experienced. I happy I did, and I I, I made some money doing it. So. Okay. Cool. So you were good at it. What were some of your big accounts that you that you remember that you enjoyed establishing that relationship with back in my the- favorite? I'm gonna be honest, my favorite client is John Bradshaw. He used to own Just Beepers. I remember Just Beepers. And he started he started doing cricket stores all over the city, man. John Bradshaw was one of the most genuine dudes I ever met. Like me and him had a, a real cool relationship. Like dude is cool. Like he spent good money with me. Mm-hmm. When uh, like when Power ninety nine, I don't know if anybody remember Power. 99. I used to work there. I left. I left channel. You must, you must start working there when I left. Cause I showed. <laughs> I left. think so. But yeah, when I was at Power ninety nine, they first hit the switch on there. John Bradshaw brought so many commercials for me. They thought uh, just people's own Power ninety nine. <laughs> right, right, wow. Yeah, so I I gotta send shout out to John Bradshaw, man. He cool, like uh, Curtis Givens, um. Thomas Brownlee, those promoters that's in the city that I, I built relationships with, and I still got relationships with them to this day, just from working in radio. Like, I knew Curtis them from when I was younger and everything, but the business side of it, you know, uh, it came from working in radio. Wow. So, I, you know, I know you worked at WRBO. You later went to Clear Channel. But you decided to leave radio sales at one point and mm-hmm. pursue entrepreneurship. Tell me about that and why did you decide to take a leap of faith? Well, it um it came down to just like I said, I was looking at the situation. I had started doing little parties. Um I was doing like the parties at the martini room, like the dollar parties with Power 99. I was doing little stuff like that, doing concerts that you know. And it was just making some money. And I was like, man, I'm getting out hustling and doing this for the radio station. But I can spend this same time that I'm delegating to them to my, what I got going on. And, you know, it can grow. And I can find some, my own niche and make my own money and assign my own checks. Um, so that's where they came from. But I got to, like I said, I got to give radio the credit because it made me have build at home. Like I always like to find the things in life and everything. And I knew we got to get a job and work, but to get out and do it on your own, you know what I'm saying? That the radio kind of helped build it. You know what I'm saying? In college, you you hustle a little bit, this, that, and the third, but radio just really made me a beast when it kind of just waking up every morning going for it. Yeah, when you have a position, baby, you gotta go and get it. <laughs> get it. Them phone calls gotta be made. Them you gotta yeah. knock on doors. You can't see that at the house. You gotta meet the check with them zeros on it. Okay, because <laughs> it will happen. It will it will happen. Now, you know what? I can really understand how, you know, radio has um, helped you into what you're doing now with Chuckles, Mm -hmm. right? Establishing those relationships Mm -hmm. with some of the big promoters in the city of Memphis. And we have, you know, quite a few, but we know them by name, right? So um, I know at one point you and Prescott have joined forces and now you all are heading Chuckles. Tell Mm -hmm. me how that all came together. Prescott, um, he was one of the originators, him and Crump is of the comedy scene here in Memphis, like hands down. Like when Monique come in town, she always talk about Crump, how mm-hmm. he had on stage. So, you know, shout out to Crump, man. That's a genuine dude. Um, uh, but Prescott, he was, he had a, his own comedy club in Bartlett. Um, and he came to us with an idea because I think he just wanted to kind of grow it. 
And me and my father, we was in the process. We actually was about to open up a sports bar and grill, actually. We was looking at business to just open up a restaurant. Okay. And when Chris got approached us about the comedy club, um, we didn't shy away from it because we had, we, we know how to promote stuff. Uh, like I said, I did parties. My father, he did concerts on a, on a larger scale, like your Anita Bakers, your Luther Vandross, and stuff like that. Yeah. So... We weren't afraid of the promotion part. We just had to learn the restaurant part. So when Prescott brought it to us, man, we hopped on it and it just grew. We started looking at buildings at like 3,000 square foot and it grew to where we end up in a building at 8,000 square feet. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started with Prescott. Prescott planted this seed in it and yeah. man, we just, you know, God help us water it and it grew. Yes, and you know, we've seen Chuckles evolve over the years, um, and you guys bring some of the hottest, I mean, all of the big name uh, comedians to the city. So um, let me ask you this. Tell me, I, what I really want to know is about the whole comedy scene. Um, I know you guys have these relationships with these comedians. However, you know, is it easy to book these people to come? Do they just like Memphis? Or, I mean, it seems like maybe they're in rotation. Tell me about that whole dynamic of this comedy scene. Well, it starts where you got to just build a relationship with the art, with the comedian, as well as their agent. Um, so what we try to do is we communicate with the agent. When a comedian comes, we make sure we build a relationship with them because they can change change the agent at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. So that's important. That's one reason why Prescott is a pivotal, you know, crucial to what we do as well because he is a comedian and he has a relationship with a lot of them. So that opened up the doors for that. Um, now, as far as that, how it works, you know, we contract, they set a price. Some of them get a set price. Some of them get a percentage off the door. Okay. Um, the bigger ones mostly get the percentage off the door. So. Gotcha. Uh, ticket sales really kind of go toward the artists. That's how it pretty much works. And that's why we do like our two item minimum because that's where we make our money off the food and look. So if you got somebody coming in here and they asking for 20, 30 grand and they sell, you know, $35,000 worth of tickets, they taking the money off the door. We cover our taxes and a little expenses off the door, but we make our money off food. So. Okay. But booking those comedians, man, it's, it's not as hard. It's the scheduling. One of the problems that we run into with Memphis because you got the bigger comedy shows coming in time. Right. You know, the ones that headline, we got five people on it, so they kind of take away from us. So now we got to schedule them out a little farther. If the comedy show come in May, we're not scared to bring them back at the end of the year, like November. Because you only send them for 20 minutes on them big shows, maybe 15. Like, if, mm-hmm. if you got Mike Epps, DC on Fly, Carlos Miller, Country Wayne, all on one show, and probably two other comedians. Everybody ain't doing them for like 15, 20 minutes. But if you come to Chuckles, you're going to get them for an hour. They're going to give you their full bag of jokes. So Yeah. That's the only kind of, that's the biggest thing when it comes to booking the acts is trying to stay out the way. Here in Memphis, stay out the way of those big shows. And you know what? It seems like the comedians love Memphis. Like... Yeah, they do. I haven't had one that haven't come here and say they don't love. Dion Cole loves Memphis. <laughs> Mike Epps loves Memphis. Like, what do I, they, they love, love about Memphis? What do they I say don't about know. Memphis? It's the food. I think it's the vibe. Because even though Memphis, we know for the first 48, we really we really are just cool people. Like, we're going to speak to you, especially if you, you look a little fine. We're going to, hey, what's up? We're going to 
chick, laugh, whatever. So it's, I think it's just a vibe, man. They, when they come down here, it feel like home. Mm-hmm. People feel like family, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And honestly, you know how Memphis is. Yeah. If you a celebrity, man, we, we love you. We're going we gonna to mess with you if you mess with us, especially if you got a little, little sprinkle of hood in you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they gonna they, be all, they love Memphis, man. <laughs> now, they you know what? Memphis. I'm glad you broke down the whole formula with the, the, the two drink minimum and explain yeah. it because I've heard a few people like maybe complain about that in the past. Yeah. And, and I brought a ticket. Why? I brought a ticket. Why I got to get some? If I ain't heard that so many times, why are you going to make me get some? Right. Like, we trying, I'm trying to pay these servers. I'm trying to pay my cooks in the bag. I'm trying to pay, feed my kids. Right. There are expenses involved. Yeah. In yeah. So... That's just the only thing I think the biggest um, adversity that is on the coming to the club is just trying to educate people on the two-item minimum mm. and just the etiquette of coming to the club. Some people come in, they look loud, they talking at the table, they want to go back and forth with the comedian. You're like, no. Nah. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, wild up in there. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, we opened up one in Jackson, Mississippi. They never had to come to the club down there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's the same thing there. We got to kind of educate them. You know, we opened that one in uh, November of last year. The okay. pandemic, no, nah, November, the year before last, because I think we just made it through the pandemic November. Okay. So we opened up, we opened up before the pandemic. Then in March hit, boom, shut us down. We weren't open no more than about five or six months. No, what no, happened? What what happened when that pandemic hit? I know it changed your life forever. Man, what it happened? was like, it was like, uh, like I was saying, down there we had just started picking up things. February was a big month for us in Jackson. Memphis was still pacing good. And March 13th, it was the weekend of March 13th. It was like the world stood still, man. Everybody stopped buying tickets. Our comedians started getting nervous because the flights was getting canceled. So we canceled some shows in, in Jackson on that Sunday. Um, and then that week, they just boom. They told us nothing. Don't you can't open nothing. So it was like going from 100 to zero. What did you do when that happened? Honestly, it, it was, you know, this is new. So I was, we was, we was stuck. We had to call all the comedians. They didn't, you know, all the agents try to rebook. You got people that brought tickets. Like I had D.L. Hewley. He had been selling a lot of tickets. Now, you know, people panic. I want my money back. I want my money back. Now we refund the money. So you got money going out. No money coming in. You know, it was, it was, it was tough. You know, it, it, it was tough. Restaurant business took the biggest hit, I think, during the pandemic. Um, and we were in the middle of it. Wow. Restaurants and entertainment business. So you got people that can't do concerts, and you got restaurants that can't open up. And we both of them. We, get, we entertainment and, and restaurants. Right. So it sounds like you were kind of at a standstill. Yeah, yeah we did, I think we was down from March all the way to June. March to June. No business. None. Wow, you know, some people give up at times like that, but you did not give mm-hmm. up. <laughs> nah, it was, honestly, it was a blessing. Um, we, you know, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Um, then we did take advantage of some of the things the government was offering for restaurants and stuff like that with the PPP loans and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know we want to, yeah, we want to keep people working, man. We want to keep our staff working. Right. Speaking of their PP loan, I seen they've been sending emails out talking about you can get you some more money if you want. Oh yeah, you better stay on top of it. They better <laughs> stay on top of it. 
But don't, hey, don't do it if you're trying to run game, though, because they... Right, they will find out. <laughs> Uncle Sam is keeping tabs. Wow. Yeah, he's going to send you the check and watch your account. So watch out. He gonna, okay. He'll send it to you. Wow. Watch out. So it looked like, you know, you had some downtime. During that downtime, Mike, did you get a chance to, you know, spend some quality time with family and do some yep. of the things you haven't done in a while? Yep. Uh, I think that was a... Uh, a time I kind of just cleared my head, my plate of all the uh, stuff that was kind of, you know, bothering me. Uh, just spent a lot of time with my kids. I got four. <laughs> okay. I got a little baby girl and three boys. Oh, so, mm-hmm. boys and one girl. Okay. Yeah, man. I got a 15-year-old. He my oldest. Uh, I got a he five-year-old. I got a four-year-old. I got a two-year-old girl. Okay. So they keep me young, man. So I just, I was with them, spent a lot of time. It actually helped me save money. You know what I'm yeah. saying? A lot of people was talking about pandemic, you know, kind of hurt their pockets. But at the same time, it just put me in a better a better situation and a better mind frame on saving money. You know, even during the pandemic, I was able to purchase a new house, you know, car and everything. Yeah. Because it just made me, hone, you know, hone in on my saving skills and just watch my money a little closer. Yeah. You know, so they still weren't paid off no PPP loan. Gotcha. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about when you got the call that the doors were opening again. When was that and what immediately happened when, you know, you probably got the info, hey, we can open up again? Man, I um I instantly went to Chuckles Memphis and started moving chairs. <laughs> <laughs> They said, they said we can only, they said we can only be at 50%, so I did it myself. No help. Nobody came and I ain't hired nobody. I went in there, looked at that room. I said, okay, we can get 200 people in here. We finna make it work. So I went in there. What was that, Mike? What, what month was that? That was uh the end of May, early June. I think the end of May, they started giving you, giving us the, uh, let me, let me make sure. I gotta look through my phone. But I think it was the end of May. I think we opened up June, early June, and all I did, I just prepared for the social distancing or health department and let you know what you needed to do in the kitchen. So it just it was just a lot of preparation to not to only just reopen your business, but reopen the business under the COVID-19 guidelines. Are they very different from how business was prior? Yeah, because you got you got to take in the uh, six feet. Uh, Checking temperatures, everybody wearing masks. You got to stay on top of your staff for them to be more health conscious. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Glad, you know, just sterilizing everything a little harder. Going from glassware to everything got to be paper. No paper. I mean, all menus had to be paper. It's just, it was a lot of little changes and some some big changes. And the health department will, will pop up on you. So they pop up. Oh wow. Yeah, they will pop up on you. Especially when you get into the curfew times, man. What is the curfew? What, well, when they, I think they done lifted it now to where you know we can, we can serve up to one o'clock, and the Patriots got, uh, they got until like one thirty to finish whatever they eating, or, and they can leave. But when it was ten, oh. you talking about we used <laughs> to having a seven thirty show and a ten o'clock show. Now we got to have a six o'clock show and an eight o'clock show. Oh, you have to make adjustments. Yeah, and get them out of there on time. Mm-hmm. So you got, you know, they pop up on you. Want to see why? Right? They sitting six feet. They got mask on. What you, you got? All your stuff posted. Your liquor license, everything. I'm talking about they. They checking everything from the COVID nineteen guidelines to the regular business guidelines, just to make sure 
And if you wasn't with it, they were closing you down. And I'm talking about in both locations, here in Memphis and in Jackson. Mm. Wow. So I know you keeping up with with the the current guidelines because I know they're changing constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, We now have a vaccine. Um, You know, have you taken the vaccine, Mike? (laughs) What's your thoughts on that? Don't don't give me no joke about it. Can't tell me how you feel about it. Honestly, man, uh, I'm not taking the vaccine. Uh, I, I feel the herd immunity thing. Uh, so I'm going to applaud. I hope that works because I'm not going to take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I'm just not big on something that they turn around that fast, man. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm I'm against, like, vaccines anyway. I got a son. He's three. He just turned four. His name Miles. And, um... They, they're trying to label my son artistic. Mm-hmm. And I think when when, I, when he was born, he was babbling good, dad, dad, blah, blah, blah. Then I started giving him those shots and my baby went quiet on me. The, 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 the autistic shots that they told you you should get? No, you know, his vaccines. The, the, the regular immunization. But his vaccines, yeah, he started taking his, his, his shots from his doctor. And um, over that time, my baby got quiet. You know, he he finally started to verbalize stuff. And you know, my older son took shots; it didn't bother him. My second son, I think, you know, he had a stroke when he was like three months. Oh, I, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he bounced all the way back. That little boy, that's my miracle baby. That's my miracle baby. You can't get me started talking about my kids, like. <laughs> <laughs> but my, uh, but yeah, my my four year old man, he's starting to verbalize stuff though. So I kind of look at those shots like, man, my little girl, I, she the youngest, she ain't took a shot yet. Mm-hmm. I ain't letting her take no shot. What? Shot. I, yeah, those shots just once they happen to my little boy, I don't believe in. It. I don't believe in. It. I did some research on it. We, I ain't got to go into that. Mm-hmm. I did research on it, and you know, it, it is a side effect to this stuff. And I, I believe I oh, see that in my son, but he coming back around. You know, I stay prayed up. I'm, I'm faith. I'm, I'm, I believe in God, and I'm, you know, I have faith that He gonna bring my little boy better. There, but this something I ain't touching, man. I ain't doing no shots. Look, I ain't touching it either. Like, you know, I, I have a lot of people that were on the fence about it that have now taken it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I asked, I'm, I'm keeping up with them. Like, so how you feel today? You know? Yeah, that- my prayers <laughs> took it. I do them the same way. Y'all like, I <laughs> Right. I want to know because I hope it don't get to a point where it's mandatory. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's why I got a trip plan and I got to check and see, do I got to have this vaccine or go where to? Where you going? You going out of, out of, out of, uh, you know, country? Medivh, Medivh Island. I Ooh, got a <laughs> I got I got a chill plan in Zoom, man. Damn, you know. going somewhere for real? Oh yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to. You ain't playing. Take no vacation. I'm trying to go somewhere. Everybody yeah. ain't going to the Maldives. <laughs> Dang, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to make sure. You got to make sure you ain't got to get no vaccine. Yeah, because if I ain't getting no shot, then I'm gonna be somewhere on the American beach. But if, if for they say, real. Oh, really? Really? If they say I gotta take a shot, I'm just gonna be in America, man. Oh, I wow. wanna go. I wanna okay. Go. I know you still going. I know you still going. I was on Instagram, and that's that's what fucked me up. I seen yo got it on a vacation, and his ass was them pictures he was taking. I just looked it up. Okay. I said, damn. I looked it up, and I found a little nice spot, nice deal. I booked that shit that day. That water was blue, wasn't it? it was right. like clear as hell. Straight through. 
Yeah, clear as hell. And once I looked at the, you know, looked at the, just the resorts over there, I was like, oh, I'm going. Mm-hmm. How I'm long you going to be there? A couple of weeks, a week? No, I'm going to be there, but yeah, about, I'll be there about six days. Oh, that's a, that's a nice amount of time to mm-hmm. get it in okay yep. so i hope you ain't gotta get there you know they be like all right man if you want to go you gotta take this shot you're gonna be i ain't hope they don't tell me that. look i'm gonna start calling about that tomorrow i mean uh monday after this busy weekend i'm gonna find out yeah speaking go, of need... look speaking of this busy weekend what y'all got going on oh we got daisy banks this weekend, everybody know Mr. Daisy Banks. He probably the hottest thing going on the internet. Well, you know, he up there with your country wings and your DC mm-hmm. Young Flies, man. That man sold out so many tickets. Mm-hmm. So he gonna have me working this weekend. Appreciate it, Daisy. <laughs> he gonna have me too busy. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay. If if they wanna know anything about Chuckles, they can go to chucklescomedyhouse.com. Keep you up to date on everybody coming every weekend. And you know what, that made me just think about something like um, as far as comedians go, you now have the internet where you see so many talented comedians that have made uh, noise on the internet versus your traditional comedians that that have come through another channel. It's the same, right? Yeah, it it just changed the game a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to call them dinosaurs, but the older comedians really had to transition into the social media thing because mm-hmm. it's not platforms on TV anymore right. for them to really you show their talent. You don't have the depth coming to jams, the comic views. And you that's know. crazy. They don't it's have it. It's crazy because that's where where can a comedy club find the next wave of comedians right. if it's not a platform for real for them to, to show their talents mm-hmm. and for us to be like, oh, that's the next cat. We gotta, I gotta scroll social media. And then social media funding always don't translate to on stage funding. Meaning, meaning I can make a video and I'm just gonna put the video out there. I ain't gotta wait on no laugh. I ain't gotta have no stage present. If I would like the video, somebody like the video, they like it. If they don't, they can just keep on scrolling. But when you on stage and you tell a joke and you waiting on that punchline to work, have you it's seen? Really different. Have you seen some of those internet uh, comedians that have gotten their fame from the internet come on the stage at Chuckles and Bomb? Tell me about it. Tell me. No, I, I won't talk about the ones that came on stage and did good. Ooh, <laughs> I want to give shout out to Dizzy, shout out to Country Wayne, Ooh. shout out to DC, because I seen them grow. Matter of fact, Dizzy Banks came with uh, B. Simone. He was hosting the show. Okay. He didn't even have a full set. He just got up there, told a few jokes, brought somebody else, came back, told a few jokes, brought somebody else up. But now he got a full hour. I, I can just tell the difference. And there's somebody, a lot of them that's online don't take it as serious mm-hmm. as they should if they really want their bag done. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. If you really want that bag, you can get it in the comedy club. For but real. See, you know what? In, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it would seem like uh, a comedian that has found some somewhat fame on the internet yeah. they got to get on that stage in front yeah. of people. like they gonna have to do it to even get initiated <laughs> yeah yeah because i don't look i don't been i don't been on i don't seen them on stage and you got older comedians that not not prominent and big names but that's been doing it they like man these man over here with a wig on and be mad mm-hmm. but you can't be mad at that way he built this fine here in front of 400 people in my club Right. With that wig on, 
right. finna get a big check. When I finna cut him a big check. Okay. Oh, so you need to, you need to, you might not have to put a wig on, but you need to go tap into that social media, man. If you want that check, you know what I'm saying? For real. Like Karen Claiborne. Karen Claiborne, man, I we I think we'd have booked him so many times, but his his folks coming. Mm-hmm. They coming out. He slapped that wig on, do his characters from online, and bring some comedians with him. That's what he do. He funny with his characters, his jokes, and then he brings somebody up that's funny, and then he come back and kill him some more. Mm. And that's his thing. Wow. So. Now, Mike, who would you say have been, um, other than the ones you've named already, have been some of your favorite comedians that have graced the stage of Chuckles? Man, we done had to. I didn't hear everybody. <laughs> I didn't hear the heavy hitters. I don't even want to speak out of line because you know all the ones you go, you know the the vets, your Bruce Bruce's, your Samoa, your Mike Epps, they funny. You know Mike Epps, I mean, yeah, they, they cool people. You know, I, we didn't hear Chris Tucker on our stage. Uh-huh. You know, even though he came one time, Chris, come on back. We, we got some money for you. Hey, Chris, come on back, Chris. <laughs> um, but I, just to, you know, I now I got to give credit to Samoa. Because, you know, a lot of times when comedians come in, I watch their shows the whole weekend. They doing the same set. I'm might, I'm might here the same, you know, not knocking them, but that's what comedians do. They gonna have, they got a set. Man, Samoa did a different set for the 7.30 show Friday, different set for the 10 o'clock show Friday. Came back Saturday, did two different sets, those two shows. Baby, she got content, honey. She got yeah, she content. Had a few little, she had a few little things that um she kept. But as far as like the whole set being the same, man, she changed it up. And I got to applaud her for that because I, you know, that's, that's talent. Like, um, but I think the one I got the coolest relationships with, like personal relationships with, you know, I like uh, Dion Cole, me and him cool, Red Grant, D-Ray Davis. Anytime they come to town, we going out. You know what I'm saying? Don't my, don't my folk. You know, they they taking my calls. They If I DM them. They call, they hit me right back. What's up, Mike? We're trying to book you. What you doing? Tell your agent we need that date. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Amazing. You know what? It's amazing to see um, your growth in this comedy game and how you guys uh, bring all of this talent to Memphis and make us laugh because nothing cures um, anything like a laugh, right? Like. It is the all. It is. It's medicine. Yes, it is. And I think that's why, you know, I I appreciate Memphis, man. Memphis has kept us open for sale. And I'm going to say that Memphis has kept us open. I'm not saying I did. We so smart. Memphis comes out and support us. You know what I'm saying? I know business ain't always perfect. You know, I done had your nasty attitude serves. I done had to let go. Talk crazy to people out here, bad, some bad managers I hate to let go. So I appreciate y'all deal with us, do the growing pains, because every business is not perfect. Everybody don't mess up. But when you come back, you have a good time that second time or third time or fourth time. I appreciate you spending your, your, your money with us. So, especially, you know, I'm going to be honest, the black dollar, the black dollar has kept, kept us open for these years. That's right. I appreciate it. I appreciate the community, black community for supporting us. Now, it has kept you open and a lot of other people open because you mm-hmm. are a major advocate for other black businesses. Tell me about that before we go. Uh, I just I just like to support black businesses or uh, period because I think, man, it's like if you're going to show your kids uh, and just the next generation, I think growing up with us, we was always taught, you got to go to school, you got to go work for somebody. 
to be successful. Um, but at the same time, my parents was doing um, entrepreneurial stuff, but I don't think they really just pushed it on us enough. So that's one thing I'm trying to do, and I, I, that's why I support black business, because the entrepreneurial spirit is important to the growth of the black community, to the black dollar, and just to recycle recycle the black dollar period. Like, I, all my employees, and it's not just... It's not just because I'm racist, but all my employees black. I don't. I'm. I. I. I put out the, the um stuff on Indeed and all that, but all my employees black. Majority of the comedians that I pay are black comedians. So I'm recycling the black dollar, and it's just good to see other black business that do that. So I support black business. I might. You might see me in a club after I done left my club just to support another owner. Go. I might just be in there 30 minutes, have a drink, pay at the door. I ain't trying to get in free. If they let me in free, cool, but I'm going to still come in, you know, buy a drink. I'm going to go to black restaurants. It's just important just to recycle that black dollar, man, if we want to uplift our black community and just give back. Shout out to Grove Hero, though. That's a comedian that I got to yeah. shout out. Bro, bro do so much, so much for in Memphis, man, so much for the community. It is amazing to see, dude. And anything he want from me, he can call me. If he needs some help with anything, like he go down to Jackson, Mississippi, I let him use my parking lot down there for his food truck when he do down there, man. Dude, I just got to shout him out, though. That's a comedian I got to shout out, though, because that's a good dude, man, a genuine dude. That's my boy. Has he been on stage at Chuckles yet? Yeah, man. When, man, they, you know, they did one of them roast videos of me talk bad to him. So when they was really bubbling, <laughs> and, uh, Carlos, when they was really bubbling, I went on doing them on stage, you know what I'm saying? I reached out to him. I was like, man, look, I, I like what y'all doing. I see y'all growing. Gone and roast me. Put up a video, talk bad about me, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell them if I if, if you don't if I don't respond, y'all gonna keep going. So we came up with a little promotional idea. They checked me, I booked them, and they did good on a Thursday night. And, they, and that's when they were just bubbling. They still mm-hmm. had like 250 people in them. Yeah. And just to see him go from there and just keep growing, man, it just let you know, man, when you a good person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? God has favor in your life, though. That's true. Really, it's really the truth, though. Shout out, bro, hero, though. Shout out Grove Hero. He has a huge following. Uh, he and I are working on something for the community uh, with Frazier. He's from Frazier. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if y'all need something, though, call me, though. Whatever you need <laughs> if it, even if it's a box of chicken, I'll come through. Okay, okay. So uh, tell me this, uh, Mike. Uh, I know you got Chuckles Comedy. You got the Crumpies Restaurant. What's next? Well, uh, like yeah, like you said, I'm I'm opening up a Crumpus. Um, I got another little restaurant called Cockeye Rooster. Y'all probably hear that on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working on a uh, Chuckles New Orleans, but the pandemic kind of kind of throwing a wrench in it. So we got I kind of got to see how we're gonna handle that. But yeah, we had signed the lease and everything. But um, the pandemic. I love New Orleans. You was going to be yeah. in New Orleans most of the time after that. Yeah, New Orleans. I mean, I'm going to have to go and get a condo down in New Orleans. For real. So if that pop off, yeah. We, so we in, the, you know, we in conversations about that. But um, I really want to just expand the um, the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I, don't, if I don't get New Orleans, it's going to be another city. It'll be somewhere else. Try to target cities that don't have comedy clubs. So we'll be the only. <laughs> yes. Only game in town, so just stay tuned. You know, I put God first, so I'm pretty sure he got some stuff planned for all the time. All the time. Well, I have truly enjoyed you, Mike. Where I appreciate you having me. Yes, you got me out of my comfort zone. I really don't do stuff like this. I like to play, I like to play back low key. 
Yes, that's what I do. And I'm sure our Verbally Effective audience is going to enjoy this podcast and learn more about you and your journey. Um, you know, Memphis loves Chuckles. So I know they're going to be tuning in. And you said that they can check out everything with Chuckles on ChucklesComedyHouse.com. Yep, ChucklesComedyHouse.com. Any social media platform, just look up Chuckles Comedy House. You'll find us. Okay, and how can they follow you, Mike Ware, on social media? Uh, M Ware Jr. You can look me up, you'll find me, Mike Ware on Facebook. All right, dear. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate today. it. You yes. are a gem. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Mike. And hopefully, I can get out the house and come see uh, Zazzy this week. Let me know. I'll take her. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to let you know. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. I truly enjoyed you today. All right, thank you.